You are now entering the transit zone. Welcome back to the Transit Zone. I'm Peter Clark in Melbourne, Australia. Margot Kingston in Combo in regional New South Wales. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the lands on which we record and produce these podcasts, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and the Beerpai people of the Port Macquarie region of New South Wales. We pay respect to their elders. Margot Kingston, good to see you again. Oh, Peter, I've got back on Twitter again. I, I just couldn't. I, I couldn't resist the last three days. Don't you feel that there's something pivotal going on, that this is a moment that could go either way for our country and for politics? For anybody who's been living in a cave, this is one of those weeks in Australian politics. It's one of those weeks in Australia. We started the week on Monday after a national cabinet and Prime Minister Scott Morrison came out and, to use the rather cliched language of journalists, threw a hand grenade into everything, really, and did an AstraZeneca announcement about how now under-40s can perhaps go to their GP and perhaps get AstraZeneca as an injection. And then, of course, there was a complete argy-bargy, both at the political level, from the premiers, and from the medical professions generally, the AMA, etc. So perhaps he achieved exactly what he wanted, Margot. He really set the hairs running, didn't he? And we've had a week with everyone fighting with each other. And in the middle of all that, we got a great little scoop that the Victorian Nationals had tried to disaffiliate from the National Party after Barnaby's recall. Then we had Darren Chester, who's a a moderate gnat, in the regional seat of Gippsland in Victoria, basically doing an op-ed saying, we're finished if we don't change on climate change, leading to speculation that he may stand uh, as an independent. Throw into the mix a mega rort with the car parks, where it was just literally stealing our money and throwing it at marginal seats. Everything's in the mix. And that's why I thought, well, you know, it's all very well, you and me opining, but why don't we get in, down to the grassroots where people are trying to change politics and improve it and speak to a founder of a Voices For? This is part of our ongoing series here at the Transit Zone, Margot. We spoke to Cathy McGowan from Indi, who I guess is almost the progenitor of this Voices From movement in Australia. She won Indi, of course, back a couple of terms ago in the federal parliament. And then we spoke to Linda Seymour, Voices For Hughes as well, or the Hughes grassroots movement. So now, welcome to the Transit Zone, Susie Holt, sitting in Toowoomba this morning. Welcome to the Transit Zone, Susie. Good morning, Peter. Good morning, Margot. Thank you for having me here this morning. Is it a bit colder in Toowoomba? It's freezing in Melbourne again this morning. Actually, Peter, this morning it is typical Toowoomba weather. We've uh, look outside, we've got fog. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> that mist is coming up over the range so it's very typical to Wimmer weather we've had some rain in town so people are very happy. Margot and I both know Toowoomba well I think you were there quite recently weren't you Margot and before I met my spouse I used to travel up to Warwick every weekend to go gliding uh, it was a bit of a mad glider in the old days so I, I know climbing up Cunningham's Gap well I know I know Toowoomba well so we've both got a bit of a feel for that part of the world but most of our listeners won't know Toowoomba. Tell us about not only Toowoomba Tell us about this electorate of Groom. What's it like? What are the people like? What are the boundaries? What sort of feel is there to that electorate? Toowoomba and the seat of Groom is a very exciting regional area. We're about an hour and a half out from Brisbane, up on the range. So you leave Brisbane and you come up this beautiful range, so we're up a bit high. And we've got quite a diverse region from agriculture, which has been our primary industry, 
But of late, we've really been focusing on health and education. So we've got an interesting cohort of people around medium age, median age of about 38. But what traditionally has happened in our region is the farmers have come into town and uh, they've retired here. So our region not only has this cohort of 130,000 people, we also cover 500,000 in our area. So people have moved into town. We've also, because we're quite an innovative, enterprising region, it's attracted a lot of people from that health. So people have relocated from Brisbane, partly because of our lifestyle. So we're great for families, uh, great working opportunities, housing, people can, when there is housing, people can afford, it's reasonable, lovely opportunities, gardens, very exciting area. It's a huge hub for health. It's got yep. excellent facilities and it's the hub for the private schools for, for the whole region. So it's big education, big health, isn't it? Our main industry is health. So around 13,000 or over 13,000 people are employed here in the health and social services sector. We have three main hospitals up here, one public hospital, two private hospitals and a surgery centre. And we are a hub for education. So people come in from over the border in Moree. We get people from all over Queensland coming here because it is like a hub. Toowoomba is a hub and people like it here because we still have those traditional country values mixed in with a bit of cosmopolitan city sort of feel. So you can get that lovely cross feel of, of a, really our region. Susie, I have always thought of Toowoomba as a fairly conservative place and there's a strong religious strand in there as well. That's just my image of Toowoomba, but I'm picking up from you that that's shifted a little bit because of some of the immigration that's happened into Toowoomba. Is it still basically very conservative though? So look, two thirds of our community would still identify as being Christian. So we are still a fairly conservative, moderate electorate. I think within that conservatism though, people are moving to this progressive, people are interested in social issues and they want action around social issues. People are concerned about the environment. People are concerned about refugees. People in our electorate are concerned about homelessness and they want to see things happen to help our community. Some of the beautiful things that have sort of come from things like the floods that occurred 10 years ago was that our community pulls together. So within that conservatism, we have this notion of communities working together and uh, moving us forward. So it is quite progressive. At the by-election last year, the LNP got 67% and the ALP got 33%. It is an ultra-safe coalition seat. And, and I remember ringing you a while ago and, think, and saying, well, what on earth are are you doing? I mean, there's no, there's no point to this. And you said, well, Margot, there's actually something going on here. And what appears to have gone on is that this seat was a National Party seat that fell to the Liberals after the failed Joe for Canberra campaign and stayed aligned with the Liberal Party after the merger to the LNP. And what seems to have happened is that the hard right has taken over the branch and the Nats have tried to turn it into a national party seat. The branches there are, are fraught 
about that and that the person selected for the pre-selection, Garth Hamilton, is considered a hard-right conservative. So what got me interested is, is you saying, well, weird things are happening, Margot. Liberals are coming across. There is a, a liberal membership desertion of the party and a sense that this is the last chance to keep Toowoomba as a, a liberal seat rather than a national party seat. I remember you telling me the Chamber of Commerce is asking voices for groom for comments. And so I'm going, what? <laughs> You've got an establishment law firm on your board. I mean, it just seems a bit like, is something happening there? Look, since we set up the voices, movement, I think I put out a tweet in November. So since that time, it's been this lovely organic process where we thought, oh, you know, I have asked, what are we doing? And is it possible? <laughs> But it's been extraordinary because you're right, Margot, and it has been this incredible shift in that people are actually wanting to be heard and they are wanting representation and people with integrity. I think the shift has come from COVID and I think that by-election has happened, it all sort of has happened all around the same time. So a number of things sort of occurred around that was that, one, during that by-election, people in our region were tremendously, they were very concerned that there was a shift to the right, so that very hard conservative right. And this has been part of our movement and why when you ask that pivotal point for change is that we actually want someone in the centre so people are looking for someone in the centre to represent them. So they don't want this conservative right and they don't want this extreme left. They actually want someone in the centre. And that is where the majority of people in our region are sitting. So all of a sudden we've had in this by-election, we've had, oh, gee, these candidates actually don't represent us. So what happened for COVID is that we have a lot of professionals, a lot of people whose kids came home who were forced to stay here because of the shutdown and they've opened people's eyes. Think what COVID, because we're, where we're seated from a health perspective, we were getting, we get people in from over the border coming into Gundawindi. So we've had border issues, we've had a whole range of things. We've been extremely dry with the drought. We've got water security. So all of a sudden, people have had time to reflect. And I think that shift in that by-election has sort of opened people's eyes. So all of a sudden, this Voices movement, sort of we threw it out there around our kitchen table at home. So it was a bit like Team Brody. I will say it was a bit of a family movement. So we've learned how to use Twitter all sorts of exciting things that we never thought we would do. So we've been pretty frustrated with politics, of particularly for our region, where I have two children who one will move away, one who's moved away, and they said, look, Mum, we're concerned about the environment. People are really concerned about climate change. We actually want a future. We actually now see that you know, I might go away and do medicine or do nursing or do teaching and I actually want to come back and work in our region. We actually want a future for our region. And those politicians or people representing us are not there. So I think this is sort of this little shift that's happened. I think when that by-election occurred, the 
biggest thing that happened was that actually here we were with hereditary voters who traditionally voted for the Liberal Party with all this infighting of extreme right, whether they were a national party, whether they were a Liberal Party. Actually, people are tired of divisive politics. They are tired of it. They actually just want to be heard. And we have been this safe seat both state and both Liberal. So even though we're quite enterprising and we have these incredible opportunities to move our region forward, there's been this feeling that we've been stifled, so that we've just been stagnating. And I think people are genuinely tired of it. So when they went to vote, the common thing we had was actually no one is there to represent us. When we set up the group, we invited a diverse group. You can call it a broad church if you want to, a people from the Liberals to the Greens, and we got them together. So it was a hard task to start with. And we did that deliberately because unless we do that in our region, we're never going to create change. So we have to get these people working together. And we were amazed who came. We didn't expect anyone to turn up. And we have been amazed at that slow progression coming in. So these people in our region, even though we are conservative, Peter, you are right, we are still a Christian community with those conservative values, but actually we are progressive. And that's a little change. People want action. Susie, you mentioned COVID. Of course, there are three main aspects to what's going on at the moment. There's the stuff up with the procurement of vaccines, which really happened 12 months ago. There's the stuff up with the logistics of actually getting it out there. And you mentioned Toowoomba's a health area, presumably with a pretty good health infrastructure there. That's been a big problem around Australia, the actual logistics. This is, of course, the absence of a public campaign to actually encourage people to overcome vaccination hesitancy, to try to remedy the mistrust that many people have about the vaccine, going right out to the conspiracy theorists with 5G and all that stuff. No public campaign. So I'm very interested your sense of how people in your electorate would have perceived what happened on Friday from Prime Minister Scott Morrison with his four-phase plan. How would that have gone down with the sort of people you're speaking with? Actually, Peter, people in our region are pretty frustrated. So, and they're intelligent and they're pretty cranky that there's no supply. So I think his four-point plan, at the end of the day, people actually just want the injection. They want to know supply. They're frustrated with supply. One of the biggest issues for our region is still a lack of plan forward. People have kids overseas. They want to be able to see their grandchildren. People want to see our region move forward. We need seasonal workers. They want to see our students come back. We get a lot of international students associated with our university. I think people are genuinely concerned about the supply issue. On Friday, people were struggling to get the vaccine here. What that causes is vaccine hesitancy. In fact, we had a phone call at 8 o'clock on Friday through the Voices Movement about a very well-respected person in our community who had lined up and was beside herself at how what happened. Uh, they were prioritising because they're concerned about the number of supply issues. And she said, I just can't be bothered now. I, I just can't do it. So that hesitancy around it is causing increased anxiety. I think that people just want to see the numbers. They want to see, actually, have we got the supply for Pfizer? 
They want to see a communication strategy put into place, accurate information. The other thing here is that one of your bigwigs, um, John Wagner, you know, the guy who beat Alan Jones on that defo case, actually said, okay, here's my airport. Here's some land next to the airport that's mine. I'll give you that. I'll build you a quarantine facility in, um, in six weeks and you've got world-class hospital facilities next door. And Scott Morrison and Garth Hamilton said no. And Anastasia said yes. And you're going, how come Labor's into regional policy? And, and Scott says, F you, that's a desert out there. Like, what's happening there? Margot, I'm going to comment firstly on the fact that when Scott Morrison made those peculiar comments about our region, not one member, whether it was state or federal, actually stood up for our region. We have world-class hospitals. Our health system has already coped beautifully with COVID. We are able to get people from Toowoomba down to Brisbane quickly, quicker than probably in an ambulance in Brisbane. We have the facilities, the staff. We could have used it as an opportunity and no one stood up and represented us and people were pretty peeved. They were pretty concerned that our federal member at that time did not stand up and say, actually, we've got world-class facilities here. We've got an airport that has global reach. We have three hospitals that all have intensive care that may have coped with this beautifully. The whole thing about the quarantine is that no discussion was held locally. No one brought it up. They have just used it as a political football and... It would have been an incredible opportunity for our region. We could have led the nation. We could have had that up and running in six weeks. It was an opportunity for jobs, an opportunity for discussions to move our health services forward, to say, listen, we could have been a vaccine hub back there. We could have had said, right, we'll do this. We have our tertiary hospital, could have used it for all of those discussions, but no discussion was held. And uh, I think people are pretty cranky that it's come to this and people are just arguing backwards and forwards. And we were really disappointed that it just wasn't an opportunity to move our nation forward and open up our borders. You're listening to another Transit Zone podcast. I'm Peter Clark with Margot Kingston in Comboyne in regional New South Wales. Our guest is Susie Holt, a co-founder of Voices for Groove. She's with us in Toowoomba. Susie, how do locals see the nub issue here that we've got leaky tourist hotels? Anastasia Palaszczuk is saying that they're stretched to the limit with those tourist hotels. I understand it that it was a stopgap measure to have tourist hotels way back. And that resistance on the part of Scott Morrison and his government to having quarantine facilities, federal quarantine facilities, purpose-built, purpose-designed, essentially fail-safe quarantine facilities. How are people perceiving that nub issue? People are pretty frustrated. I think people generally have an appreciation that COVID is airborne, that that transmission is airborne. We've seen that recently in Sydney with the Delta transmission. People realise that quarantine in hotels is a failure. It actually is not good enough. Well, we've got about, People, well, 30 of the cases, roughly that's right. roughly 30 of the escapes have been, and the cause, lockdowns, etc., have been out of quarantine. 
seven leagues in hotels in Queensland. People realise that we need genuine quarantine facilities built. They want it now. They see that as a plan to move our country forward, to open up our borders. They're just not there. They know that those hotels are a risk and I think people are actually tired of it. Another thing that that happened this week was that it came out that the Victorian Nationals had sought unsuccessfully to disaffiliate from the national Nationals federally because of Barnaby's return and climate change denial is basically his official national policy. And Darren Chester, dumped from the Cabinet by Barnaby in the regional Victorian seat of Gippsland, did an op-ed this week saying, we're finished if we don't do something about climate change. Our constituency is demanding it. And I'm just wondering, you know, sure, the Victorian Nats are are different. The Queensland Nats with the mining seats are are right there with Barnaby. They brought him back. Is Toowoomba part of that crowd or is it a little bit different? Well, Vargo, we're hoping it's a little bit different. (laughs) (laughs) So, So on reflection, I listened to a podcast with Matt Canavan this morning as well. And looking at that article that Darren Chester wrote, I think we agreed, you know, our constituents in Groom, actually the majority of our constituents are in health, are in education, yet agriculture is one of our biggest industries. So the biggest thing is that we look to that agricultural community, they want action on climate. They want to address climate change. They can already see that this is something that needs to be addressed and they are moving forward if you look at the national farmers federation they are already starting to address those issues so in our region if you look at beyond in south Burnet, it's always easy to talk about them because of peanuts so everyone can relate to peanuts the crops in the south Burnet are already being impacted by climate change by 25 percent so people in our region are acutely aware of those issues of climate change. They want action. So I think with Barnaby coming in and people in Queensland saying he's coming to represent the regions, actually our region wants action on climate. They want productive farming land. They want that to be long-term. But we actually also represent health workers. We represent teachers. These are our constituents, which is what Darren was referring to in that article. So we are more than just a mining party. In our region, our electorate is actually ag. It is actually those industries of health. It is actually education. So that's what we're bringing forward from the Voices Movement. And I think export is a huge issue. We do a lot of export and trade. Barnaby's brought forward some interesting suggestions around China and certainly we would like to see a more harmonious response to those things so we can progress that for our region. It's vital for our region. In terms of Barnaby, we actually see ourselves as leaning towards moving beyond what he's representing and uh, saying actually there's more to us than those values. We value climate change, we value our region, and we want to represent our region. With your kitchen table conversations, what's been the word or the words that have come up? What are people looking for 
from their federal politician? They want to be represented. They want someone who is trustworthy. Trustworthy? Want... You mean integrity? So, integrity. Oh, no, 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 no. They couldn't want that. They couldn't. They actually want By the way, to... did Toowoomba get a car park? <laughs> no car parks. No car parks. We got plenty of paddocks, but no yeah. car parks. <laughs> Can I go personal? Uh, When I first talked to you on the phone, I thought, oh, bloody hell, we got a doctor's wife. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) You're a social worker, fellow um, University of Queensland alum with uh, me and Peter. You sort of retired after marrying a specialist and um, looked after your kids and helped him run the business and became very heavily involved in the community. I gather that this Voices for Groom was started by your family. It's actually a, a family affair. Tell us how on earth that happened, that you, you started a political movement um, from, uh, from Arthur Street, Toowoomba. So it has been a family affair. We have started around our kitchen table to get this movement going. My family is from the country. My husband's family is from the country. And I'm reminded of some words that my grandfather, who grew up in the South, South Burnett, said, he always said that people are your business and never forget it. I think that when we reflect on politics in our region, that they've forgotten about the people. So they've been representing parties and that people's voices have been squashed, to use that word, or not listened to or not heard. People had been reaching out to Miles and I saying, look, we want some change and we don't know how we can do that. And I had started putting out feelers of saying, oh, what do you reckon about a Zali Stegall approach? Do we find someone? What do you reckon about a Kathy McGowan, a Helen Haynes approach? Is it possible? Do we find a, a star in our community who could represent us? So we sort of started putting a bit of, a, of feelers out, talking to well-known people, talking to people who run community organisations, things that we had been involved in, talking to many of our own colleagues, doctors, saying, what do you reckon? Is this a crazy idea for our region that is really conservative? And I think part of it was that we reached out to a law firm and two friends of ours who helped run that firm said to us, listen, we want to be able to bring staff into Toowoomba and they want to be able to fit into this region and they want it to be progressive and we want young people to come to our region. And we want to make it attractive and we want it to be exciting. We want to see changes. So we're actually... As exciting as Indi, regional (laughs) energy plan. This is what people have been talking to us. How can we change our federal member to take notice of climate change? How can we actually have a conversation in our region about climate change? How can we talk about the environment? So people started to talk about, we did an hour conversation I have to tell you, our kitchen table conversations in Queensland had to be around drinks for democracy because we are Queensland and we had to had to take the edge and we had to bring people together to have a bit of a conversation. So you had a party, not a meeting, yeah? So we have just challenged all of the voices <laughs> movements to say, actually, in Queensland, we need to go out there and party and <laughs> celebrate. So this, it has been a celebration of people participating. So from this sort of crazy wild idea that actually people might be interested, we did 
make people come together. And I was pretty strict. We said, right, you know, if we're going to create this change, people have to be committed. So we made them all do a homework exercise and come back in two weeks. And I thought, oh, they're not going to come back. We had more people coming <laughs> wow. back. So we went from about 25 to now we invite 50 to a core group. So what we're getting is people from Liberal Party to the Greens and the Labor and everyone in between. Some people who've never voted. I had 30-year-olds saying to me, we are so frustrated that we don't actually care about politics. And I said, but you run big businesses and you employ a lot of women and you want to make changes and you're being progressive but we are tired of not being heard. So we have some really exciting small businesses that are actually quite forward, but here they're telling us actually we've just lost interest in politics. So this is what we've created is this environment and a space where all of a sudden people are saying, actually, you know what, I actually care about our community. I actually care about the fact that we want a voice in Parliament that's standing for our region that is quite exciting, that is wanting to attract young people, is looking at issues related to our region like health, that wants to move us forward, change with energy. People have big ideas. They want to make it happen. So all of a sudden the Voices Movement has gone, oh, actually this group, we can see some excitement. So even though it sounds pretty idealistic, this is what's happening. We've come from very small beginnings to people suddenly reaching out saying, actually, what do you think about the state budget and how does that reflect on what you're hearing from the people? What I liked when I spoke to you, I like many things, obviously, obviously, Susie, but the idea that you got everyone from Greens to Liberals in the same room to say, if we're civil, is there common ground here? And of course, it's a, it's a conservative seat. And of course, a candidate has to say, if Crossbench has the balance of power, they would give confidence and supply to the coalition. But that doesn't mean that there's not an awful lot of common ground where basically every voter could get behind the right candidate to say, right, time for groom to shine, time to join the push for a, a national regional policy, as, as Helen Haynes and, and Darren Chester are sort of wanting. How have you stopped polarisation? How have you stopped people punching each other out at these events? Like, or, or have they been relieved to have a safe space to, to talk normally about politics without hating each other? So we had to agree on some values and that was respect, integrity, representation and science. So ah. they were our values. So when we came together and we agreed upon those values, that's what changed it. So we had to talk about how we would get that, you know, we actually had a conversation about how we would move forward and not disagree because I did have Extinction Rebellion with Conservative <laughs> Right in a room <laughs> saying, we've got a vote. <laughs> On our group, that's what we've got. And they did agree. The biggest thing is actually people in our region want science. They're enterprising they want representation, and they're innovative. So that's what we've brought together in these values. And people want a representative to be their best selves on that Kathy McGowan. And that's how we've 
brought people together. What's the next step? I understand you've got an AGM this month. Then what happens with with finding the right candidate for groom? So we will use the process that uh, Dennis Ginnivan has used for Indi. And if we feel that a uh, a candidate uh, or we approach to people want to nominate, we certainly will explore those options of running through that very similar process to Indi. If a candidate doesn't rise, we will certainly use a checkpoint process to see whether we endorse one of the other candidates in our region. If not, we will just continue to work as a grassroots movement to try and ensure that the voices in our region are really heard and represented with those values and continue to try and encourage a working relationship with the member. Is there a chance you could stand or will you rather uh, be a backroom girl? Margot, anything's <laughs> open at the moment. <laughs> Certainly I can say that I've enjoyed the process. I love community engagement. I have thrived on bringing people together and I have found that extraordinary that through that trust and the relationship that people have come together and have said, oh, actually, you know what, we could get an independent up and it's a possibility for a conservative town like Toowoomba to suddenly say, oh, actually, you know what, (laughs) this could be a possibility that's already changed in itself. To even have people thinking like that, we've already moved forward. Margot and Susie, it's been an extraordinary week. Perhaps we've seen Scott Morrison ditch the National Cabinet effectively and we've got the four-phase plan that came out on Friday, which was about as as substantial as a Siggy paper. And we've still got the same problem. We've got short vaccine supply. We don't have the federal quarantine. We don't have a potent public communications campaign to get people vaccinated. So we're still facing exactly the same problem. Am I drawing too long a bow, Margot, to think that this could be, the next election, could be a COVID election? What do you think, Margot? It's interesting because the whole standard analysis is that strong leaders do well in COVID and that's that's proved the case so far with the state leaders. But I, I think the problem for Morrison, which is why he's freaking out and saying, go and get vaccinated despite the medical advice and all no that. No matter what your age is. Yeah, is that it's suddenly becoming clear that Morrison has failed in COVID. A three-pronged fail. He can't get the vaccines out. He can't get the effing vaccines. And he literally refuses to build quarantine stations to end this stopgap thing. I mean, this quarantine is solely a federal responsibility and he's outsourced to hotels. The big one for me, the one where I just, I actually cried, was when it came out that top priority disabled people in care homes weren't vaccinated. Remember the 1A, 1B, 2A didn't happen. Let's have a target. Let's not have a target. I mean, yeah, my point is that he was ready after that splash budget to go early, to go early, to go in spring. And now it's much more complicated because it's looking like actually the buck stops with him. I think he'll go go later now. And now we've got the bombshell of Barnaby. God knows where that'll go. I don't know if you saw... Turnbull the other day. But look, it is crystal clear that Malcolm Turnbull and John Hewson are supporting a breakaway Liberal Party via the Voices for Movement because they are convinced that the party has been taken over by the hard right, that it is anti-science, that it is not good for the country. So that's what we're watching. And to have Cathy McGowan, John Hewson and Malcolm Turnbull gunning for the small L Liberals 
is another complication for him, I would have thought. If you have a look at where all the car park money went, gee, they were, they were propping up some what one would have thought were safe Liberal seats. I mean, who knows? All I know is that there is a chance for participatory democracy, for the public to say enough, let's look around, let's not go, oh, that's Liberal or that's Labor, we're going to vote for them or whatever, is interesting. It's the only interesting thing about politics at the moment for me. Politics in Canberra is stuck. The political media is broken. The political parties are broken. Our discourse is broken. So why not see if good people at the grassroots will have a go at changing it up? And I'm stoked. And I tell you what, I'm thinking, I argued for, you know, 20 years when I was in, in mainstream media to the Herald, to the Age, to, you know, everyone I, Get off the bus and go and live in the marginal seats and report on the ground the real characters, what's really happening, the complications. So I'm tossing up between Groom and Hughes. I'm going for the outliers. I'm tossing. I'm going to either come, go and live in Groom or, or, or live in Hughes for the election. And, and I hope a lot of other journos do too because it is going to be bloody fascinating. Margot, you just reminded me, I remember we used to do those radio programs together when I worked for the ABC. We actually did a couple of programs on the very theme of getting off the bus, didn't we, remember? Yep. About the media not being carted off in the magic mystery tours to photo ops, etc. Get off the bus. And the, the, exactly the same challenge remains. Susie, you get the final word. Is this going to be a COVID election, do you think, drawing upon what you've learned from your the electors there in Groom? I think it will be a COVID election. I think that people are frustrated and uh, it's going to, that's exactly what it will be. I think it will be next year. I think people are pretty cranky about supply issues and uh, go group. We want to see you all in here because we are being brave, we are being bold and we are going to give it a go up here to really shake it up and be heard. Susie, thank you very much for joining us in the Transit Zone. It's been a real pleasure to hear your voice. Thank you kindly for having me. It's been a delight. Susie Holt with us in Toowoomba, a co-founder of Voices for Groom. Margot, great to see you. I hope everything's going well with the house as you're fixing up the house there in Comboyne. Yes, it's very cold. (laughs) (laughs) What I love about this Voices for thing is I am meeting so many absolutely fabulous women and the revolution has just begun. (laughs) See you again soon, Margot. Thank you. Bye. And there's a new edition of the Transit Zone Pandemic Primer podcast series now available. Just finished, hot off the press, the Frequently Asked Questions edition with New Zealand-based epidemiologist Professor John Potter again. Topics we covered include coronavirus variants, vaccines, children and COVID, and the very important and very under-discussed topic of long COVID. That means there's nearly six hours of high-quality pandemic information for you to listen to in this series, the Pandemic Primer podcast series here in the Transit Zone. Check it out. If you'd like to email us here at the Transit Zone, this is our email address, transitzonepod at gmail.com. We welcome all your comments, your questions, your attacks, your ideas for podcast episodes. transitzonepod at gmail.com. I'm Peter Clark. Thanks for listening. And please join us again soon, right here in the Transit Zone. You are now leaving the Transit Zone.